Let us pray together. Gracious Father, indeed we are amazed at who you are and what you have done. Lord, we are amazed that we have awoke, woken this morning. Lord, we are amazed sometimes that the bills are paid. We are amazed that we are able to be here today after all the foolish things we have done in the past. But Lord, most specifically, we are amazed at the grace that you have showed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I echo what the Apostle Paul says, that I am the chief of sinners. So, Father, you have sent the Son of Man to seek and save those who are lost. And we all, if we are honest here this morning, can say that we once were lost. Some of us, maybe even this morning, still are lost. So, Lord, I pray that you'll draw their heart to you, open their eyes to see you, and behold your glory. Father, I pray that they might see your Son, Jesus Christ, and see that He is the only one who can save. So, Lord, we are amazed at how high and how deep and how amazing Your love is for us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't deserve anything that we have. Lord, we are Your people, the ones that You have called, the ones You have redeemed, So, Lord, I pray that you will lead us by your righteous right hand. Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to behold who you are. Lord, grant faith. Grant faith. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Help our unbelief. Lord, I pray that you will teach us your ways. Lord, help us not to be fixed upon who our families are or what we have heard in the past or traditions that we cling upon, Lord, that might be unbiblical or unhealthy. Lord, I pray that we will cling to your word, and I pray that your word will correct us and teach us to humble ourselves in your sight. Lord, I pray that we will be a humble people, people that you are conforming more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be humble yet bold, courageous, because you have adopted us as your sons and daughters. So, Lord, we are a people and children that you have loved us. So we thank you and praise you for that. We thank you for your great love. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, this morning, before I dive into Exodus chapter 19, I want to share with you where I'm going and where I'm leading us as a church, not just in the sermon series in the book of Exodus, but I want to call your attention back to the sermon we had last week. Hope you're here. Hope that you uh, uh, were able to follow along. And uh, and I want to encourage you that if you do miss a week for sickness or some other reason or travel, uh, the, the sermons are always up on the website. We can thank Jared Meyer for that. Um, and our sound crew, Wynn and others. And so you can follow along with those sermons. But I want to call your attention, last week I talked about elders. Elders are mentioned a couple times in Exodus chapter 18. And specifically I talked about the benefits of elders within a congregation. And I don't want us to miss that. I don't want to gloss over that because 
elders are a blessing for the church and for the church body. And so when the church appoints and equips elders, churches are able to practice shared ministry. And that's what I want us to talk about in the weeks ahead. Um, the church is not to operate like a business. It's to be a family of faith and a family of faith that is led by God. So today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 19, and over the next few weeks I'm going to go through the rest of Exodus quickly. In fact, I hope to be, the Lord may have other plans, but I hope to finish the book of Exodus before we get to Easter. Now, Easter is going to be here before we know it, April 1st, last time I checked, and uh, Resurrection Sunday. Well, we're going to finish Exodus by then, and then throughout the month of April, there's five Sundays in April, but at least four of those Sundays, I'm going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about elders. We're going to be looking at the subject of elders biblically and practically. I know both of those things are important, and so we will be discussing that in the month of April. So cancel all vacation plans in the month of April. I'm just kidding. Um, Again, like I said, you can follow along online if you miss a Sunday. But seriously, stay tuned. Be praying for me and for our church as I lead us in that discussion in the month of April on elders. All right? Sounds good? All right, heads nodding. That's a good sign. Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 19 this morning. Let's stand as I read and we honor God's holy word. Exodus 19 is the beginning of God revealing his covenant with Moses and with Israel. And so it's really a package deal. It's really Exodus 19 through 24, but we're not going to be looking at all those chapters this morning. We're just going to begin with Exodus 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, they set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever 
touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up on the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because of the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord, to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray again quickly. Gracious Father, again we come to you asking for your help. We need you. We need you to open our eyes to see and understand your word. And Father, we are tempted to doubt, to have questions. Lord, I pray that our questions will lead to faith. So Lord, as you have spoken to Moses, your servant, you speak to your people through your son Jesus Christ this morning. So Lord, I pray that we might believe because you have spoken. You have not closed your mouth. You have not kept yourself from us. But Lord, you have revealed yourself to us. So Father, help us to believe. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, as I say many times, we have a lot to cover this morning, and we are going to go through this quickly. But as you see here, there is a lot going on. This isn't just about Moses and his relationship with God, but this is God revealing himself to us, revealing himself to us through a covenant. So Exodus chapter 19 um, is obviously preparing us for something big. If you uh, know what's coming up, what's what's following chapter 19? The Ten Commandments. That's right. We're not going to be watching a movie, but uh, next week we'll look at the Ten Commandments and we will see what God says for us through the bringing of the law. But here in chapter 19, God is preparing the people to receive instruction, to receive instruction from Him through His Word about how they shall live and how He is brought them to him to be a covenant people. Well, the covenant that he's making with them involves a mediator. I want you to understand that every covenant involves a mediator. Who is the mediator in this case? Moses. Moses is the mediator. And as we saw last week, we must not lift Moses up on a pedestal because Moses is a man. He's just a man. He is a sinner just like ourselves. 
ourselves, and we'll see that throughout the Pentateuch, that he is just a man, but he is a special chosen man by God to lead God's people. But I want us to recognize that Moses is a man who is leading us to the God-man, Jesus Christ. And so through this covenant and through his role as mediator, he is pointing us to the promises in the past that were revealed through Genesis 3.15 and the promises that is yet to come. Let's bring up Romans 5.14. In Romans 5 it says, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. Who is the one who is yet to come? Jesus, that's right, amen. So Moses is pointing us to Jesus. Keep that in the back of your minds as we're going through this, because again, this covenant is pointing us to the new covenant and Jesus Christ. So here, as we go through this, we could uh, break this up verse by verse. I'm going to go through it quickly through four sections. The first section, verses 1 through 6, is background and instruction. We see their travels, we see the description of what God is doing through his people and how they got to where they are now. They moved out of Egypt, to put it mildly, forced out of Egypt. Um, And then they went through the wilderness, they eventually encamped at the base of the mountain. And the mountain, this confused me at one time, and there's a little bit of disagreement on this, but there's two different names for the mountain, Mount Oreb or Mount Sinai. Same mountain, if you look throughout scripture, especially here in the Exodus, same mountain. And it's at that mountain that God is going to speak. He's going to reveal specific instructions to Moses and for the people. It's important that we recognize from the very beginning, God spoke. In creation, He spoke and everything came to be. Now He speaks again to His people. He is, through this, we must understand that He is making um, Himself known and He's revealing a relationship with his people. So he is speaking, and Moses ascends to the mountain as the people of Israel stay at the bottom. And it is at the mountain where God says this. This is in verse 5. If you had to highlight two key verses for the whole chapter, it would be verses 5 and 6. This is what God says to Moses. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. So an important part of covenant is obedience. So as you hear these words, as a parent talks to his child, it's not just for the parent to speak. It's for there to be obedience. If you hear my words and obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Amen. So this is the beginning, the introduction, the background of what God is going to speak to Israel. And so now we, as we go to the second section, we're going to talk more about covenant and what covenants mean in just a few moments. But the second section, verses 7 through 15 Moses now gathers the elders and he's getting ready to share with them the message, getting ready to tell them what God has revealed to him through um, up on the mountain. And the elders recognize the words as commands from God. This morning, again, in a uh, class that I was teaching, I was reminding the individual 
that when God speaks, we don't have a choice whether or not to obey. It's not like a buffet table where we say, well, I like that instruction, I like that command, but these over here, I'll leave those off. No, the elders recognize God has spoken. We see this in verse 7. Moses and all the elders of the people set before them all these words that the Lord commanded him. And then what do they say? What do they say in verse 8? All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I heard a pastor once say, uh, as he was getting up, he led the people to just say this phrase repeatedly, yes, yes. And the, the congregation got louder and louder as they repeated the, the words, yes. And he said, okay, Lord, this is our response to your commands. Now show us what you'll have us to do. This is what the elders of Israel are saying. They're saying we are ready to obey. We are ready to follow in faith. So here, Moses and the elders are ready to obey. And the Lord speaks again to Moses after Moses responds with what the elders have said. Now God tells Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may believe you forever. May believe what Moses has said. So God is making his presence known amongst the people so that the people may have confidence that Moses isn't just making something up. Moses isn't saying, okay, I had a dream last night and I want to share with you about this dream. No, it's not about something Moses has made up. This is what God has delivered to Moses and now the people must obey. So the Lord continues to speak to Moses, instructs the people what they must do as they prepare to see and hear from God. He gives them specific instructions on what they are to do. They are to consecrate themselves. Well, what does this mean? We don't often uh, say, uh, consecrate yourselves. We don't. I don't tell my children, we're getting ready to gather with the saints at Haven, go consecrate yourselves as we prepare to leave. No, we don't say that. But what does this mean here, to consecrate yourselves? This means to wash their garments. It also means to abstain from sex as they prepare to meet God. This is why we read verse 15. So they were to be, the whole purpose of this was to be pure as they see and hear from God. They are going to hear from God as He comes in a thick cloud to speak with them. This imagery reminds me of the New Testament when we read of another encounter in Mark chapter 9. Moses was with um, with Peter, James, and John on the mountain. And there was somebody else there on that mountain. Who else was on the mountain with them? Jesus. This is one of those sermons when you can just say Jesus and you'll get the right answer. So they were on the mountain with Jesus. And then there's a voice, a voice from heaven, a voice from the cloud. And the voice said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So they were to listen to the voice of God. We too must listen to his voice. The people received even more instructions in verses 10 through 14. They receive even more instructions. They must not touch the edge of the mountain. They must be very careful as they approach God. 
They were the whole point here is they're not to meet God haphazardly. This is a big danger for us to just approach God in any way that we we think is appropriate. How are we to approach God? Humbly, as the only God who is holy. He is holy. I hope you see that that theme that is presented throughout this chapter that God is holy. We must not approach Him haphazardly. As I was reading this chapter, I was reminded of uh, taking Spanish in high school. One of the phrases that I still remember this day is, be careful, ten cuidado. And so um, we must be careful as we approach the holy God. Now let's continue on to the third section, verses 16 through 20. Just as Moses had prepared them for the third day to meet God, the day has come. In verse 16, it says, There were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. I don't know if uh, you've ever seen this before, but this is a shofar. This is a trumpet used in religious ceremonies. This was probably what is pictured here, this very loud trumpet blast. Everybody heard a loud sound. Um, it made me think of Friday. I don't know if you were in the area on Friday and you thought maybe that there were some earthquakes going on. In fact, Sheena had called me. Sheena had called and said, uh, are you hearing that? And uh, it, was, it was like a, uh, they decided to have the 4th of July over at the arsenal. I mean, they were blowing up everything, it seemed like. And uh, I mean, it was it was crazy, the sound that was happening. I was on the phone with Sheena, and then I'd, I'd say, did you hear that? She said, no, not yet. Two seconds go by, and the sound travels out in harvest. She's like, oh, yeah, now I heard it. You know, these loud thunders, these loud, uh, these loud noises are taking place. Well, that pales in comparison to what we read here. That there's loud thunders, loud lightnings on this thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast. All the people in the camp tremble. You know, for a split second on Friday, I was a little cautious. Then I realized, well, we live in Huntsville. But here, the people are trembling. Why? Again, God is there. God is present. God has spoken. God has spoken to His people. He is present and He is holy. So here, this gives us a visual image of what is going on on the mountain. The people are trembling of this great sight. And as I read Exodus chapter 19, it reminded me of Hebrews 12. It says, Let us be grateful receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He is the holy God in which we are to have awe and reverence. I remember early in seminary, I found this video that was probably... uh, taken in the 1990s where this guy went around and he interviewed people as to what gave them awe and reverence. And I remember all the different crazy crazy answers that they gave of, of things that gave them awe and reverence. But the point of the video is that there's only one who should give us pure awe and reverence, and that is God. So here we see this unique divine encounter as God has spoken and God speaks to Moses 
And this tells us three things. Three things. I've already pointed these out. God is holy, holy, holy. Number two, Moses truly is God's prophet. He has spoken to Moses. Number three, that God has established a covenant with Israel, with his children. So back to that idea of covenant. I think that we've got a slide on here of, of the word covenant. Covenant in Hebrew means berith. And uh, it presupposes two parties coming together and promises, responsibilities, and privileges. There's different types of covenants. For our time this morning, we're just going to talk about covenants in general. But God is establishing this covenant with his people. He is the one who is initiating it. He is the one who is giving promises. He is the one who is putting this covenant in place. And as he establishes this covenant, it points us back to previous covenants, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant even with Adam. And God had commanded Abraham to circumcise his offspring so that the descendants of Abraham would be an identifiable ethnic people. That is, that they would be distinct from all the peoples around them. Likewise, here again, we see that God is making a distinct people. Bobby Jameson says this, The purpose of creating a nation came to fruition with the Exodus and the giving of the Mosaic Covenant at Sinai, what Scripture calls the Old Covenant in 2 Corinthians 3. When God called Israel out of Egypt, He brought them to Himself and gave them a special role. They were to obey His law in order to be His treasured possession among all peoples and to serve as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what we just read in Exodus 19. So God has prepared, is preparing His people. God had rescued Israel. He's reminded them of that. And now He is creating Israel to be a representative to the nations so that they might know what He is like. And as you probably know, and as you will see as we go through Exodus, Israel does not keep their end of the agreement. They are not perfect. They fail on numerous occasions. They were supposed to obey and flourish, but instead they disobey and languished. The hearts of the Israelites were corrupt. Their sin ran deep and they could not keep the law. The law could not save. This is one of the reasons the new covenant was needed. We'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. Okay, quickly, let's move to the last section, verses 21 through 25. God gives Moses two warnings. Again, God is giving Moses specific instructions. He's giving Moses his word, his commands, and he gives Moses two warnings. First, he tells Moses, don't let the people stare or gawk at me lest they die. Again, second, he tells Moses to tell the priests to consecrate themselves or he would break out against them. With both of these warnings, the point is, to see God as holy. Not to approach God in any way, haphazardly, but to see God as holy. Moses recites the limits that God had placed on the people before. Then the Lord tells Moses to go down and get Aaron before the others. God is preparing Aaron for his ministry as high priest. We see Aaron would go up on the mountain with Moses to meet with God. 
The top of the mountain here was like a sanctuary. Later in Exodus, Aaron would meet with God in the tabernacle. Aaron would go into the most holy place while everyone else kept their distance. So as believers, now what does this have to do with us today? As believers, we have a high priest who takes us to the most holy place. Again, who is that high priest? Jesus. Very good. We're on, we're on the right track. He is the high priest. He is the mediator. He is our redeemer. He is the mediator of a new covenant. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews has a lot to say about Jesus as the high priest, as the perfect sacrifice to satisfy the law of God. Hebrews chapter 2 says this, He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then in chapter 4, it says, We have a great high priest, not Moses, who is imperfect, but Jesus, who is perfect, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And then last, but not least, Hebrews chapter 7. It says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, like the ones that went before him, to offer, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. The beauty of the cross. So he is the mediator, high priest, redeemer, reconciler, the one who reconciles us to God. So God is preparing us to be a holy people because he is holy. So at the end of this chapter, we see Moses went up, went down to the people and told them the words of God. Moses obeyed. He obeyed the voice of God because God is worthy of our obedience. So four things quickly, as we end this chapter, and as we prepare for the giving of the ten words of the Ten Commandments, what have we learned? Quickly, first, God is holy. If you don't learn, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear those three words. God is holy. Secondly, God establishes a covenant with Israel for a specific purpose. I want you to know number one is related to number two and number three is related to number four. God is holy, and so that relates to his covenant that he makes with his people. Number three, God speaks. He is not silent. He speaks. He makes himself known. He reveals his character, reveals his plan, reveals his purpose, as we see here in verses five through seven. Number four, he speaks so that we might believe him and receive blessings from obedience. God gives his word so that we might obey, so that we might believe, and so that we might receive blessings, so that we might find joy, not just in the life to come, but in obeying and knowing God today. So what are these blessings for us as a new covenant people? Three blessings. We can point to many others. Three blessings. We are a treasured people. We are chosen. We are holy. In our home discipleship group on Wednesday nights, uh, we've been talking about how God has called us. He has predestined us. He has chosen us. That's what Ephesians talks about, to be a people that is chosen and holy. 
We are to be a kingdom of priests who worship and serve God and call out to Him in prayer. And then third, we are to be a nation that is a holy nation, not the United States of America, but to be God's nation, a holy nation that will include all nations as we join the mission of God. Let me read to you one last passage as I close from 1 Peter chapter 2 that combines all three of these blessings. 1 Peter 2 says, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. There's that first blessing. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. There's that second blessing. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And then here in verse 9 is the third blessing. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why has he done all these things? Why has he established the covenant? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, out of darkness, off the path of despair and destruction, into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. So as I close, are you in awe of God's design, of what God has done? Some of theologian and late pastor R.C. Sproul, he passed away not too long ago, and uh, I received a letter in the mail from him this past week that says, my last letter. It was kind of strange because he had already passed away, so this is interesting, but he had wrote this letter before he passed, being his last letter, and he said that he had committed his life so that others might know the holiness of God. Now R.C. sees the holiness of God face to face. So are you in awe of God's design? Do you see Him as holy? Believe and worship Him today as such. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have revealed Yourself to us. Lord, Moses speaks Your Word as Your mediator and prophet. And he points to the perfect prophet, the perfect mediator who has come, your son Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you will teach us to trust you and to obey you. Lord, I pray, Father, even now, that you are calling a people unto yourself. You are called us together to worship you. So even now, I pray that you will draw sinners unto yourself. I pray that you will add to our number, to our faith family so that you might get the honor and glory, so we might proclaim your excellencies, your greatness. Lord, I pray that we might see your power in our world, where there is much darkness, where there is injustice, and we see sin that runs rampant. 
Lord, I pray that we might see your power through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. But we ask also, Father, that we might see your power in our church. Lord, we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will point us to Christ, that we won't live for the desires of the flesh, but that we will be instruments in your hands for righteousness' sake, Father. We ask, Father, that you might show us your power in our lives. Collectively, as a faith family, but also individually, Lord, let us trust in you, and Lord, let us see the blessings of obedience. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.